Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. Come celebrate Lowe's first annual Spring Fest and give your lawn the look it deserves. With five bags of premium mulch for $10 or three 19.3-ounce Bonnie vegetables and herbs for $9. Spring Fest, a festival of fun and savings for your garden and total home, in-store or online. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. Offers valid through 421 while supplies last, in-store only. Selection varies by location, U.S. only, excluding Alaska and Hawaii. Let's go on out to the Sox machine. Our guy, uh, Josh Nelson, nice enough to join us. Josh, how are you tonight? I am doing well. Thank you guys for having me on again. Well, no problem. Our pleasure. Uh, your thoughts about Ronaldo Lopez saying we look like clowns out there. Yeah, <laughs> it was. it took me back a little bit just because when we have heard frustration this season from the clubhouse, it first started with Jose Abreu mm-hmm. and totally understand. All he's known ever since signing with the White Sox is losing. And then James Shields voices his frustration. This is a veteran that has been part of contending teams, and I'm sure he's tired of losing, and he may want to be traded to a contender. But this time it's different. It's one of the young guns, one of the guys that the White Sox are hoping will be a major contributor when they're going to be good again with Ronaldo Lopez. And stating that the team played like clowns, Ronaldo's not wrong. I'm not going to argue with him on that point. But the fact that he did point the finger at himself, I I think it's a good sign. I think that's a little bit of maybe Jose Abreu rubbing off on the young guys that it is okay to criticize the team, but also remember that you are a big contributor to that team, and as a starting pitcher for that game, you're the one that's throwing the ball. And if you're throwing meatballs in the strike zone against Jose Ramirez and he takes you deep, uh, you also have to put the blame on yourself. Uh, So I I thought it was a little bit of breath of fresh air because a lot of the quotes that you hear from the clubhouse are, are starting to get routine with the Chicago White Sox. It's part of the grind. We know this is a rebuilding year. You're going to have losses like this. You're going to have struggles like this. It's all about the learning process. No, it's nice to hear from the young guys because they're trying to win. Right. And while the fans in the front office and everybody around Major League Baseball knows that the White Sox are rebuilding, a.k.a. tanking, uh, this year and everything that goes along with that. Uh, the, the, these 25 guys on the team and some of these young players are part of the White Sox foundation to hopefully have winning seasons in the near future. And if they're getting frustrated right now with the way that the team has been playing, 
I, I take it as a, that's a good sign that they understand that they're not playing well and they want to fix the issues and try to get better. And hopefully we do see some progress in the second half of this season. Uh, I appreciate Josh Nelson, uh, the Ronaldo Lopez's accountability. That is noble. But I will say, I do think as a White Sox fan, I, I am fearful that other White Sox fans might be in for a rude awakening at some point when the luck doesn't quite go his way. Because look, his strikeout rate is not that of an elite pitcher. And while he's been, you know, a bit of a bright spot before today's outing, I do fear that regression is coming and ultimately Ronaldo Lopez still needs to strike out batters at a much higher rate before we can really say he's a clear cut number two or three man in this rotation when they are a winning ball club. Yeah, absolutely. You are absolutely right. He does have to focus on getting more swings and misses and he's going to have games where he does have the horseshoe on his side and there's going to be a lot of hard contact against him. And he's going to get lucky, and it's going to be hit right at outfielders, or they're just going to keep the ball on the ground. And it's going to look very impressive where he goes six innings, seven innings, and only allows two runs. And then he's going to have starts like today, where he gets blown out real early and things stumble out of control. With Lopez, at least we've seen good starts this year from him. I think what helps paint the picture on Ronaldo Lopez's 2018 is when you do compare him to Lucas Giolito because Giolito hasn't been anywhere near as, as successful as Ronaldo Lopez. When regression does hit Ronaldo Lopez, how bad is that going to look? I'm not quite sure yet, but I think with the velocity and just his overall stuff, there's more for Don Cooper to work with to make adjustments where Lopez can consistently put together good starts, maybe put a strain of quality starts together, reaching more the seventh inning, pitching past the sixth inning, only allowing three runs or fewer than Lucas Giolito. Where right now, Lucas Giolito is sometimes getting an increase in velocity, but Giolito's sitting at 91-92, and he's trying to fool hitters right now with his breaking and off-speed stuff. Uh, so I do agree with you. Regression is coming for Ronaldo Lopez, and it may not be pretty. Uh, but Ronaldo Lopez, at least in 2018, we have seen flashes that there could be a higher ceiling that we thought for Lopez. But absolutely, uh, Rodon, Kopech, Alec Hansen, maybe even Dane Dunning, those guys probably have better chances of leading the White Sox rotation than a Ronaldo Lopez. You know, Josh, and we're talking with Josh Nelson from Sox Machine, talking some White Sox baseball. Um, you look at it, and people talk about tanking, and you tank to try and get a high draft pick. And you look, and over the last couple of years, the White Sox have had some high draft picks. One of them is Carlos Rodon. Another one's Carson Fulmer. Um, when you draft guys fourth and fifth and stuff like that, they're supposed to be studs. They're supposed to be number one mm -hmm. guys. Um, the Cubs went the other way. They drafted position players and not pitchers. They have no pitchers really in their system now. The White Sox have a bunch of them, and I, you know, I'm still thinking Dane Dunning probably, when it all is said and done, could be one of the best ones. Uh, probably the best guy that they got in that deal with Giolito and Lopez. We'll never know. It's good. Well, we hopefully will know eventually. Um, but the, Rodon's got to come out and he's got to pitch well. I mean, now that he's finally healthy after coming back from the shoulder and everything else. He didn't have a bad outing yesterday. He had one bad inning, which, you know, right. it's only his second or third start since coming back. But he's a guy that's got to be one of the number one or two pitcher on this on this team. Otherwise, he was an awful pick. 
Yeah, I think for Carlos Rodon, he has learned a valuable lesson the last two years on keeping yourself in shape year-round, mm-hmm. not taking the off-season off, and learning on how to take care of your arm much better. And I think that is going to be a big question heading to 2019. Can Carlos Rodon take on a full regular season workload? We still haven't seen that from Carlos Rodon since he's joined the White Sox. Uh, he has been visiting the DL for a variety of reasons. I remember a few years ago, a few years ago he had a wrist injury because he slipped on the dugout. You know, <laughs> that's just bad luck there. But I think with Rodon, for me, watching him, it's all about the second half of the year. Historically in his career, if you look at his August numbers, he always does well in August. I'm not sure what it is about the month of August, but Carlos Rodon flips the switch in the month of August, doesn't matter who the opponent is, and he just flashes brilliance that made White Sox fans really hopeful when Chris Sale and Jose Gatano was around. Like, all right, yeah, they got a great three-headed monster here. Uh, But you're right, Fred, especially for 2019 and 2020. If the White Sox are going to start surprising around the league and they're going to start building into becoming a contender, it is going to be Carlos Rodon that is going to be the ace of the staff because he has the best stuff and he has the best mechanics, and he's been there, and he has the most experience out of the starting rotation. So for the second half, what I'm paying attention to is how consistently can Carlos Rodon get to the seventh inning in his starts? Can he take the ball every fifth day, and can he still maintain the level of quality that we've been expecting to see from Carlos Rodon when he has been healthy the last couple of years? If he can finish this year strong, having a sub-4 ERA, two-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio, and he feels strong heading into the offseason and now understanding what he needs to do to be ready to go and out of the gate and be able to throw in spring training, Fred, in 2019, I think that is great signs for not only Carlos Rodon but for the White Sox. But if he can't do any of that, then, yeah, for all those White Sox fans that are hopeful, oh, maybe 2019 we can right yeah. No, no. Yeah. You, can just, you can shelf that. A lot will be riding on how healthy Carlos Rodon is. So let's see how the second half goes for him. Josh, I'll be honest. Uh, as a Sox fan, really, my main focus when I watch the Sox day in and day out is Yoan Mankata because he's the one piece right now at the major league level that I look on, look at and I say he's got the potential to be a superstar. He's somebody who, when right. we get two, three years out, I'm hoping is really a building block for this offense. But after what was, what I thought was a very encouraging April, I'll be honest, the last, you know, last couple months now have not been trending in the right direction. He's still, I, I'm concerned about the strikeouts. I, I like the walks have come, but like the swing and miss in the zone. I mean, are you alarmed as much as I am by that, Josh? I mean, he's only on pace to strike out 225 <laughs> times, Jeff. I mean, come on. This is 2018. No, I. So nothing to worry totally about. Totally right. you know what? Nothing he, to worry about. He, 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 he may strike out 225 times. Yeah, he may not catch Joey Gallo, but that other. Every, every, I think he'll finish second in the strikeout race. Uh, no, Jeff, I, I have the same concerns. I think one problem for Mankata is that his swing gets a little bit long, mm-hmm. especially on pitches in the zone. And I noticed that he made an adjustment in this series against Cleveland where he was starting to go more opposite field, try to shorten that swing. And Mankata is one of those hitters that I don't think he understands how much power he's actually got. That with him going opposite field, like he's not dinking and dunking it to left field when he's batting left-handed. He is blasting them off the left center wall 
in Cleveland. And if he's at guaranteed rate field, he may have hit an opposite field home run batting left-handed. Uh, so I, I think when Makata's facing right-handed pitchers, I like that strategy right now for him. Sure in the swing, if it goes to left field, that's fine. You have enough power to hit it out. Once you start getting your timing and get more confidence, uh, then start trying to pull the ball again like, like he was in April. Obviously, he's going to have issues batting right-handed right now and because he didn't face enough left-handed pitchers in the minor leagues to be comfortable batting right-handed. And it's a totally different mentality when he does bat right-handed, which is something that as a young player he's going to have to learn, is that I can afford to be more patient batting left-handed because I'm confident on understanding the strike zone and I'm confident with the left-handed swing that I can make contact. Batting right-handed, he better be looking first pitch fastball mm-hmm. because he's not he's not hitting any of the breaking stuff. He's not hitting any of the change-ups. It's fastball all the way. And if someone throws a fastball in the zone, he's got to attack it. So it's like split personalities for Mikata batting, depending on the type of pitcher. Uh, but, yeah, the strikeouts are an issue, and, and I wonder if that adjustment going more opposite field, putting the ball more in play, uh, will help cut that down. Because uh, if, he, if he reaches 225 strikeouts, I think that will set a team record, and maybe, just maybe, that will influence this offseason, a change in approach for Mikata going to 2019. But I, I agree with you, Jeff, that the strikeouts are obviously a big issue right now watching you on Mikata. Yeah, and it might set a team record. And you remember, the White Sox did have Adam Dunn for a few years. Few years so. Yeah, if it wasn't for uh, Ozzie Guillen, yeah. uh, mercifully benching Adam Dunn in September. Yeah. Uh, it would have been Dunn's record for sure. You know, one of my biggest problems, and last year I wasn't on the bandwagon saying bring Moncada up, but Rick Hahn told everybody he had nothing left to prove in the minors, so they brought him up. And I was encouraged by the way he played second base. He looks disinterested at second base now. I don't know what the problem is. The error he made today in the first inning was brutal. Uh, he just doesn't look... I don't know. He doesn't look ready to play. Now, again, body language can trick some people sometimes. It's a lot better. It's a lot easier to look good when you're doing everything right. But he just does not look like he's ready to play. I don't know if there's something else bothering him. But at the plate also, there are, there are times he takes some swings that are just brutal. And I thought Ricky Renteria stepping out saying that the umpires are calling some questionable calls against him. They are, but you know what? He's got to get used to that. You know, until they decide to use computerized strike zones, that's going to happen with different umpires. I'm just, I'm more concerned about his mental attitude, I think, right now than his physical stuff. Yeah, I can imagine that the struggles are getting to him. On defense, one of the things that I'm wondering is if the struggles at the plate are carrying over into the field. Mm-hmm. A popular thing that I would hear when I used to play baseball, and I think everybody heard when being coached from Little League all the way to high school and for some of the who play colleges, don't bring the bat out to the field. Right. You know, try, try to make that switch coming out of the dugout. If you have a bad plate appearance, it's fine. Make a great play on defense because oftentimes if you make a great play on defense, it's just Seems like you make a you know great at bat. You get a base hit the next time. It's just that confidence boost uh, for everyone to to play at a better level. And I, and I do wonder defensively if that's part of it. And yeah, it's been shaky. Not gonna lie. I mean, he leads the league now for second baseman in errors made. And these errors just seem to be with the glove, where he doesn't look like he's got soft hands or he's rushing himself. Yeah. Like he doesn't feel he doesn't have as much time that he really does. Uh, so I think that's on Joe McEwing, uh, the bench coach for the White Sox, who often works with the White Sox infielders uh, to improve the defense, uh, just to help Mikata calm down and try to help him slow down the game. 
because uh, it just appears defensively that Mikata is moving too fast, uh, and he's got more time uh, to make the play. And, you know, I, I bet that if he gets hot again offensively, the defense will improve. That would be nice. Uh, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, that would be nice. Josh, we appreciate you jumping on for a few minutes. Hopefully we'll have you on when they, they actually all start doing some good things. Yes, that would be terrific. Before, Fred, be, Jeff, thank you guys so much. Yeah, before 2020. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, hopefully that's, soon. That's the plan. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Josh. Yeah, thank you guys. Josh Nelson from Sox Machine. We come back, we're going to hear about... When you rely on the Internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. And now, Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Check out our amazing offers on Internet and learn about the latest breakthrough from Xfinity. Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. That's more than enough speed to power all your devices and then some. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X5 gateway. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. 